Welcome to the Proper Lookout Podcast, published by the Statutory Insurance Group of McCabe Kerwood. In this series, our CTP experts will discuss a range of topics, sharing their thoughts on an industry trend or an intriguing legal issue, explaining the intricacies of an important case, and hopefully imparting some of the knowledge that they have gained. Hello there, this is Peter Hunt. It's been a while since I've been in the proper lookout, but I'm now back. And today's topic is a bill currently before the New South Wales State Parliament. It's entitled the Motor Accidents and Workers' Compensation Legislation Amendment Bill 2021. The purpose of the bill is to make amendments to the Motor Accident Injuries Act 2017, otherwise known widely as MIA, and also to the Workers' Compensation Legislation. Now, my purpose is only to discuss amendments being made to MIA, and there are two topics I want to discuss. The first will be in today's episode of the podcast series and will deal with amendments to Part 5 of MIA, which deals with no-fault accidents. In the next episode, I'll talk about proposed amendments to the way weekly benefits are calculated based on the amendments proposed by this bill. As I said, Part 5 deals with the concept of no-fault accidents, which were known previously during the MACA era as blameless accidents. The reason the bill proposes amendments to Part 5 is because in the seminal case of AAI and Singh, uh, Justice Fagan was critical of the way Part 5 was drafted. I've left a link to our case note on Singh on our website under this podcast so you can, you can have easy access to look at the background. But In very general terms, his honour found that if there's any kind of fault by any person into the cause of a motor accident, then under the definition in Part 5, the accident is not a no-fault accident. So in that particular case, there was fault by people loading Mr Singh's truck. Because there was fault in the loading of the truck, the accident was not a no-fault accident. But his honour's criticism focused on the fact that At the time of his decision, Part 5 was littered with references to both damages and statutory benefits, which he found difficult to reconcile with other parts of the Act, specifically Part 3. And his Honour also found that Section 5.6 had no work to do in the way it was currently drafted. So that essentially is what the Bill seeks to address. So addressing the first part, the Bill proposes that the term statutory benefits be omitted from sections 5.2, 5.5 and 5.6 and removed from the heading in section 5.6. So essentially, any reference to stat benefits is expunged from part 5. To make it absolutely clear that part 5 has no application to the stat benefits regime in part 3. So far, so good. Which brings me to the uh, proposed amendment to Section 5.6. Now, Section 5.6 currently reads, a person whose liability for damages in respect of the death of or injury to a person results from the person being deemed under this part to be a person whose fault caused the death or injury is entitled to recover contribution 
in respect of that liability from a person, bracket, whether or not the driver of a motor vehicle, close bracket, whose fault actually caused the death or injury, end quote. Now, this is where Justice Fagan ran into difficulties in Singh. His Honour, in general terms, observed that that section has no work to do once Section 5.1 is interpreted, as I described earlier, namely that a motor accident is not a no-fault motor accident if there is fault by any person whatsoever. So if that is the case, it's difficult to see from whom recovery can be sought in the event of actual fault. Justice Fagan's solution was to propose that Section 5.6 be uh, removed from the Act. Instead of doing that, the Bill proposes that a subsection 2 be introduced, which reads as follows. Quote, To avoid doubt, this section is intended to operate when a person is deemed to be the person at fault for causing a death or injury occasioned by a motor accident, even though the accident itself is a no-fault motor accident. End quote. Now, I had difficulty conceiving how that made any difference to what was already stated in the original version of Section 5.6 until I read the note, which is to be inserted after Section 5.6, subsection 2. The note reads, The definition of no-fault motor accident in Section 5.1 is focused on the fault for causing a motor accident rather than the fault for causing death or injury occasioned by the motor accident, end quote. So there's a distinction being drawn between causation of the accident and causation of death or injury. But that distinction still creates some conceptual difficulties because it's difficult to envisage situations where there is no fault in the cause of the accident, but there is fault in the causation of death or injury. Indeed, let's think about the classic examples of no-fault accidents. One might be a driver driving with a serious medical condition where the doctor knew about that and allowed the driver to drive in any event. Or a tyre blowout where the manufacturer of the tyre was negligent in its manufacture. Or, as in Singh's case, some uh, work colleagues failing to properly load a vehicle so that it was unsafe. In each of those scenarios, the negligence of the third party was relevant to the causation of the motor accident itself and not merely causation of the death or injury. So in those scenarios, Section 5.6 has no role to play. So in conjunction with others, I brainstormed situations where 5.6 may have a role to play. That is, situations where a third party's negligence impacts on the causation of death or injury, but not on the causation of the accident itself. So there are three examples I've come up with. Firstly, consider a passenger injured in a no-fault accident whose injury outcome is worsened by subsequent medical treatment. Secondly, a passenger who's injured in a no-fault accident whose injury outcome is worsened by a faulty seatbelt. And thirdly, a passenger in a no-fault accident whose injury outcome is worsened by 
an airbag failing to inflate upon impact. In each of those three scenarios, the negligence by the doctor, by the seatbelt manufacturer, and by the airbag manufacturer only had relevance to the causation of the death or injury and had no relevance to the cause of the actual accident. So in those scenarios, section 5.6 allows the insurer of the driver deemed to be at fault for the no-fault accident to seek recovery from the medical practitioner, the seatbelt manufacturer, or the airbag manufacturer. So the conclusion is, if subsection 2 is inserted to section 5.6 as a consequence of this bill, I think section 5.6 does have some limited role to play, even when you interpret section 5.1 to mean that a accident is not a no-fault accident when there was fault by some person, whether in the use or operation of the motor vehicle or not, into the cause of the accident itself as distinct from the cause of injury or death. So that concludes my discussion of the amendments to Part 5 proposed by the Bill. As I said at the start, the next episode will discuss the way the Bill proposes that changes be made to the way weekly benefits are calculated. As always, if you have any questions, please contact either myself or one of the team at McCabe Kerwood and we'll help you work your way through the proposed amendments. Finally, it's dangerous out there, so whatever you do as you go about your daily life, please try to keep a proper lookout. All the best. Cheerio. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Proper Lookout podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information on anything discussed, please contact Peter Hunt at peter.hunt at mccabecurwood.com.au or visit our website to see McCabe Kerwood's full team of specialists.